Welcome back to Weapon of Choice. Uh, we missed you. It's been a long time, but it's a pandemic and we're all doing what we got to do. But we wanted to check in with you by having a little conversation about Minneapolis here in early 2022. Uh, not much, uh, <clears throat> not many breaks in community when it comes to uh, black people getting shot and killed murdered by Minneapolis police. So just going to have a conversation with some friends today about, you know, a little bit of the, some of the nuanced political landscape, social justice landscape. So just, you know, tune in to this. It's a conversation that uh, maybe will provide you some insight and, uh, we want to encourage folks to, you know, do what they need to do to research what's really going on, to try to consume independent media, if not weapon of choice, find your favorite independent media of choice, but also, uh, you know, create your own litmus test for what is real, what is bullshit, what is performative, yada, yada, yada. And most importantly, you know, a lot of us, we definitely do collectively want change. We are pissed off. Um, and when we're thinking about what we're doing to put pressure on our public leaders that our tax dollars pay for, we pay for their jobs. The mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Fry, the governor of Minnesota, Governor Tim Walls, who's a racist. Mayor Jacob Fry is also a racist. Mayor Jacob Fry got reelected. So we have to ask ourselves, what do they fear? Do they fear protests when they expect that? Because I don't think uh, they're feeling enough pressure if they don't actually fear losing their job. They don't fear ridicule. They don't fear (sighs) criticism because they've got corporations in their back pockets when it comes to Fry. Walls has moderate and conservatives and Republicans even sometimes in his back pocket in terms of a voter block. So let's keep asking ourselves, what do these people fear and what do they need to fear to be able to put enough pressure on them and swing, uh, uh, you know, a democracy in terms of consensus of, of us voters who want actual left. We want actual leftist policies We don't want what's popular as progressive. We want left of that. So let's continue to ask ourselves the necessary questions. And I hope you enjoy this episode. And please bear with my voice that I kind of lost. And um, from talking too much (laughs) um, in previous days leading up to this recording. So my voice is even worse in the recording. It was an emergency podcast on a Saturday So I apologize for not the standard audio, but just listen to what's being said. I hope you um, enjoy it. I hope you all are doing okay out there and taking care of yourselves. We'll talk to you again soon. Weapon of Choice podcast on Instagram. At Weapon Choice Pod on Twitter. Weapon of Choice podcast on Facebook. Special Menu Productions on Vimeo if you want to see some of our video content for the visual stuff, and we will talk to you soon. Peace out. All right. Well, we're here for a special bonus episode on February 5th. This is Saturday. 
We're here in Minneapolis, uh, only a few days after Amir Locke was murdered by the Minneapolis police and the St. Paul police and the Minneapolis mayor and the St. Paul mayor. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I just want to introduce our special guest shit talkers, Hannah and Nikessa. I'm going to quickly read off their credentials, which are that they are two black women who tell the truth, read, write, research, and drink water. Any other way y'all want to introduce yourselves? Now that covers the waterfront. <laughs> um, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna really dive in here, and the first thing we wanted to do today is uh, review the second press conference that the Minneapolis mayor and the interim police chief. I don't, you know, I don't really remember her name. I really don't care. But you'll you'll, you'll get the gist of it. Amelia something, you know. Uh, it's like they can't find the other Amelia. This Amelia cannot find truthful language. All right, so we <laughs> um, we're just gonna start the second press conference they had after they uh, fumbled the first press conference, and they seem to think that they're going to course correct. But you'll hear from the words of the press conference and from our commentary that is not what happened. Good evening. Our city has been through a lot. The pain that we've been <laughs> three seconds. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> so I'm looking for the pimple, the stress pimple. I don't see it yet. They're on his neck. He's that part, that that clearing of the throat, the seriousness. <clears throat> That'll the uh, the dry lip smacks are back from the uprising. As is the sweaty, shifty look. <laughs> okay. All right. That's, that's getting us into it here. I'll continue. Why is that man always so moist looking? Oh, mesrosexual. That's what they do. They <laughs> <laughs> like, so like, the, the, the white millennial metrosexual uh, are. Uh, he, you know, when he was when he's not running his mayoral campaign, he's running an over over toner, over facial mist campaign. It's it's wild. I mean, that's the only way you get treated on vote. <laughs> yeah, I think his two ounce bottle of face serum costs more than his mortgage. All right, experiencing on a weekly, if not daily basis, is only compounded by. The- Complexities of the circumstances that we face. That's something that I've been grappling with every day, and I know people in our city have this. Their favorite word, grapple. Couldn't find a, a better word. That's like the word, that's the word of the uprising for politicians as we grapple. I, also like, I like how he, 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 he talks about the struggle of the city, yeah. such seriousness. Meanwhile, it was less than a month ago that they wiped. Out uh, homeless encampments in the city, right? We're just gonna glibly talk about the suffering of the city, but not really mean it because we don't give a fuck about the city. Let's go. This whole section is this fake corporatist empathy that he's now settled on post uprising. This is his general operating mode now. And he's, and he's signaling to the corporations that got him elected because he averaged 
uh, just over $40 per vote. When the second amount of votes, uh, Ray Dean averaged $4. They averaged 10 times more per vote than the, than the person who got second place. Unbelievable. You know what's rich about that, too, is uh, he was talking about how he beats Betsy Hodges and she was more money than he was. Like she was basically, he was basically making the case that she's more of a corporate uh, candidate than he is. Here we, and yet we know his relationship with all the developers and the thousands of downtown uh, vacant units. And it's a signal to this, those corporations that are going to lace his pockets, but that always have to only like. To, this is the bar he sets for them is to only come off as empathetic, nothing more whenever this these type of tragedies happen. Right. So let's keep it going. Now in grappling with it, having some of these hard discussions that we need to have, one of the first steps that is necessary is transparency. Good, bad, or ugly. In achieving transparency, uh, it's essential, and it was essential in this case that we release the body-worn camera I want to take a shot every time. Well, I mean, not Please. to jump ahead, but this conference ends with both Huffman and Fry walking out when the questions get too hot. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. AKA transparency. Right. Transparency. Also, this is post the release of the body cam footage, which, I mean, we can get into after, after watching this, but the body cam footage isn't from the shooter, <laughs> for starters. It's from one of the just random officers in the room that has the vantage point of being able to see the gun. I'm guessing the shooter couldn't see the gun. Yo. And that's the reason why we have seen it. But let's call it transparency. Not, not yeah. to mention, uh, if you're just out in the street and they love to flash a light in your face, if you're on a protest, they love to flash a light in your face. If you got at least one or two lights flashing in your face at 7 a.m. when you're sleeping on a couch under a blanket, you can't see a goddamn thing. So all your, for all the, for all he knows, they had grizzly bears off the leash as well. So. Yeah, I mean, Locke's family says that they kicked the couch to take them away. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, transparency is the... Is the theme of this section of the video. <laughs> I do want to make sure that you understand the considerations that are in place when we release body worn camera footage and making sure that we're transparent every step of the way. Uh, first, uh, prior to releasing the footage, we want to make sure that the leaving has an opportunity to see it first. That is a non negotiable. This one made me laugh. Oh my God! You are you are a, such a groundbreaking politician. That's a non-negotiable for me. Like, so, yeah. non-negotiable for me. That, that that makes you that makes you a, a a person of integrity. All of a sudden, to say something so basic. Yeah, I mean, Fry is morally bankrupt, right? He's a cipher. This has been this has been the knock against him since he was elected to the city council. He doesn't really stand for anything. He won't make a decision on anything. So this 
this building up or burnishing of his image as having integrity that this is this is non-negotiable for me like dude what difference does it make yeah and can we also just talk about his popping of black families who have lost or experienced such traumatic tragedy i mean here he was a few months ago at the funeral of george floyd and then now crying and making it about himself and then now he's making the case that this is the reason why they delayed the release was because of the family and yet they're not being honest to the family their previous statements that they have not moved away from call a mere suspect uh and what honor is it to a family what to show them their kid getting murdered that's honor like that's justice are you fucking kidding me Right, the extension of I am doing this thing for the family where this family would still have their child if Fry had actually made good on his promise, what he campaigned on and won on in terms of one of the few reforms that he implemented post-George Floyd's murder was to ban no-knock warrants. When it turns out, since he claimed that they were, they were banned, there have been 90 issues. Nine zero, almost a hundred. And when did he do this? This was in no uh, October, something like right before the elections. Yeah. Uh, it was. There's been at least it's been a year since he and uh, Rondo claimed that they banned no knock warrants. So I want to say that it was in the fall of 2020. Hmm. Ninety. Yeah, we'll just we'll just round up to a hundred since they. They probably prefer to round down when it comes to the number of niggers they murder every year. Okay, let's keep. Second, about a year ago, we instituted a policy in place. And we talked about this, so I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Uh, that prohibited officers involved in a critical incident from reviewing body worn camera footage prior to giving a statement. Now, that policy, in some instances, is in fact trumped by the state law. State law says that body-worn camera footage is private or non-public unless one of several exceptions are met. Those exceptions are somewhat arbitrary and in general are determined to be determined by local elected officials. The state law should be changed so that there is more clarity, there is more transparency, and people throughout our city know what to expect with regards to its release. Anyone who watches these videos, no matter the circumstances, at the very least experiences a deep and unsettled feeling. Okay, this was my favorite part of the entire fucking speech of this. I'm going to play it back one more time. Throughout city, know what to expect with regards to its release. Make a deep breath, take Anyone who watches these videos, no matter the circumstances, at the very least experiences a deep and unsettled feeling. That is the biggest lie, one of the biggest lies he's ever told on a microphone in public, because he said that anyone experiences that unsettlement. No. Countless white people, countless races, countless anti-black people, some of them non-black, experience joy 
when they see another nigger killed one way or another, whether it's by the police or all these different ways by the police. So him just saying anyone experiences this type of uh, unsettlement, there's no way you can, there's no way he can claim that to be a true statement. It doesn't need to involve facts. It doesn't need to involve report. That is just utterly false. No, and giving proof to this lie is the fact that they, <laughs> the way that they have released this, again, not from the shooter's body-worn uh, camera, but the speeding up and the slowing down and the false narrative and misrepresentation that was delivered to the press, they rely on the fact that everyone is not going to view this footage in a way that elicits the sympathy or empathy for a human being being murdered in his home. And also, excuse me, what do you mean release to the press? Uh, they did not initially release to the press. The press reported from somebody's list of... Oh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, the, the truth is that we have and data after data, whether it's like from media or few, uh, has shown that black people experience extreme trauma after police killings in a way that white people do not. Like statistically, yes, we can talk about white people, we know who don't care, but also research has shown that we are more traumatized by these martyrs and other people, it's just like, oh my God, just another day and they move on. For us, it reflects on not just the death of the person we're seeing, but like our family members, ourselves, we're always wondering, I get up, I hear that a black person has been murdered. Is it a black person that I know? Is it a black person that I went to school with or someone I went to like it's it's so familiar and so close to us that there's absolutely no way that people who don't interact or live in community with us can feel the way we do. Yeah, it taps into that suspended fear that we all have of how close it will come to us, right? I mean, there's another death that we experience with this. It's the you know death of the possibility of this ever changing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's in the in a lot of whites who watch the video. What's what's disturbing to them is the five minute up to you know one to five minute internal battle uh, as they you know, count on one hand which black friends they should text. I hope you're, you know, sending yeah. love. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's a battle that they have to deal with internally. Wow. Um, all this does is reassure everyone, or no, it doesn't reassure every black person, but it should, because we should stop fucking lying to one another that you could fucking get your house busted into any given night no matter your social status, no matter your class status as a Black person, we should be thinking about this more in terms of, uh, it's not fear-mongering, right? Like, it's no. fucking true. There is not one moment, waking or asleep, where you are not susceptible to state-sanctioned violence, violence to racialized state sanctioned violence. I mean, I think part of the other thing with the, just the, when the news broke of this latest police killing, this city is still in a complete daze from George Floyd 
and from the uprising. Um, I think the city might be irrevocably broken. <laughs> I don't, not to be too Afro-pessimistic, but I think <laughs> the city might be broken. Um, I mean, I think it was for a number of people, it was the the bottom completely dropped out um, with the realization that no elected, so neither the mayor nor the police chief have any control or authority over Minneapolis Police Department. I think that was completely destabilizing for folks who were just waking up to that reality when, you know, the third night of the city burning and complete chaos and white supremacists racing through neighborhoods and all of it, right? I think for many folks, many of us already knew this, right? <laughs> for decades now, not just in Minneapolis, but the very particular way that no elected official or appointed official has any control over the police, over the Minneapolis Police Department. Um, and then folks are just dealing with the trauma of the murder of George Floyd and just compounding trauma of COVID and all of it, right? So I many think it shows up in how people responded not only to Amer Amer Locke's murder on Wednesday, but think about all of the murders, police murders between George Floyd and Amir Locke. How are people showing up for that? Yeah, you know, uh kind of thank thanks for bringing that up because there is like a a trauma obviously to be black in this country is always experienced this fact like something is gonna happen to you or your family or your friends. And then with George Floyd's murder and the occupation of Minneapolis and the surrounding areas in the last year and a half has just been extremely traumatic. I don't know if you guys heard last night the helicopters are back. Yeah. Uh, and kept me awake actually. And but before one of the most like striking a friend of mine's kids, we all know, was because lived in South Minneapolis and could not sleep for nights at the beginning of this whole occupation because helicopters were permanently circling the neighborhood. And this kid's mouth was just like literally chattering the whole night because of that fear. And you think about like, you know, I always say, you know, Minneapolis, Minnesota is really not a safe place for black people. We have a lot of black immigrants and black refugees in this state. And thinking about like occupying forces and the military that the, the state is so quick to call on. Walt has already called in the National Guard as of yesterday. And so we are back to being occupied and we are back to running, having these hoodlums run down the street and terrorize us. And it's like, when are we, when are we going to get out of this? So when you said like, the feeling that this is never going to end returns over and over, and here we are again in this moment where we're not going to see the end. You know, mm. fucking depressing. Yeah, and Walls, when she referred to Walls, Governor Walls, who's the, that's another conversation we can maybe get to after we get through this video. 
who, you know, his statement was as pro-cop as it gets. So we'll, we'll continue. It's government. No matter the circumstances, a man, mere lot, has lost his life. A family is grieving and has forever been changed. Regardless of the circumstances, we must hold those facts in our heart. Uh, why regard uh, circumstances? The circumstances are that the police doubled a home invasion before 7 a.m. and killed somebody who was just minding his own business. More, more, signaling, <laughs> more signaling of being pro-cop by saying regardless of the circumstances. All right, let's This video raises about as many questions as it does answers, and those answers we need to be providing as quickly as possible through a number of investigations that are, in fact, already underway, whether through the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension or the St. Paul or Minneapolis Police Departments. We intend to get answers as quickly as possible and in transparent fashion, recognizing that, as of tonight, not all of those uh, answers Wait, is he starting to... I'm noticing him, like, I know he's tired, I know he's acting, but he's starting to, every now and every, like, couple of cents, he's like, uh, is he telling his inner Obama? He's drifting, yeah. I mean, they definitely work with him to get him to try to mimic the cadence of the folks they're trying to have subliminally in the back of your head with him. I mean, again, he's a cypher, so it's fairly easy to graft in these other <laughs> politicians into him. Like right now, this section, he's drifting. Like, he's not staying. It, like, whatever the crap was, it hasn't it's come unglued. Why, the voice is still there. You know, like the, uh, 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 you know, like the, like, tough. He's, like, trying to be the tough man. So, he's still maintaining that, but he's losing it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. These issues are complex. And I know there are so many here that are grieving uh, and don't care as much about the complexity because let's face it, man. Oh, I don't like that word gaslighting, but don't he's care, already, don't he's care already, as much about the complexity. Right. I know that you are being unreasonable and, you know, emotional Negroes because you're grieving. I, I have empathy for you. Um, no, he's he started to drift to think, project ahead to the funeral. To you know, if he was going to go down on his right knee or his left knee here, how quickly is he going to cry this time? Does he need to visibly move his shoulders? With no, this time he'll bring his kids because he's been using that kid. You know how people prop use their kids as prop. He's the kid is already old enough. I am calling CPS on this man. The next time I see this baby strapped to him as a shield, I'm calling CPS. (laughs) (laughs) So we have had all through last year's mayoral election, um, Fry has a new baby, little baby Frida, and he has a propensity now for uh, wearing that baby as a shield <laughs> in the tactical Bjorn shield, <laughs> wearing his baby in front of him. Some people don't run up on him. Well, the, the FBI, the Freedom Bureau, investigation. <laughs> wow. in the middle of 
COVID. This man has no problem strapping that baby on just to keep people from running up on him. Oh, speaking of running up. baby, white baby. No, because let me, like, I you know, black people who are angry, who are genuinely angry in this city, if 50% of us ain't ready to run up on this dude and beat his ass like that, like to within an inch of his life. I don't know. I don't know what else you could be feeling if you're remotely tapped into to, to, to these performances, you know? The grace extended to this man is astounding. Oh, man. We'll probably end up getting to that. Oh, we will. But it is our job, it is my job, as a leader, to figure it out. I do not want to put the public or officers in harm's way. These two principles, they are not mutually exclusive. They're up to us to work together to get the necessary resources to provide them. It's so easy for him to say, I don't want to put the public or officers in harm's way. And he knows his buddy, Governor Walls, is going to do it for him. Well, look, I don't think Walls, I think we're in a, in a very tenuous truce between the DFL and Waltz and um, Fry. I think the, the quick trigger figure that Waltz has in terms of deploying the National Guard, I think it serves a couple of purposes for Waltz. He's campaigning. He needs to play to the hinterlands by being the strong governor. Um, but if you remember back to the third night of the uprising where Fry had been missing in action, and so Waltz had to come at like one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, whatever it was, to the press conference and basically say that he was deploying the guard and he was like, I don't know where this man is. And he had, um, who's the commissioner of, uh, who's walks it? Was it Harrington? Yes. Harrington, yeah. Yeah. Um, they were there and they were basically just like, this man's a fool. So we are taking over. And from that point, with Operation Safety Now and all of it, Fry hasn't been allowed to fail. Waltz and Harrington stepped in to ensure that the city doesn't burn again. Yeah, can we just talk a little bit more about this? So one, just for folks listening, the context of what uh, we're talking about the third day is that there were protests throughout the city. And uh, if folks had been following what was happening in Minneapolis at the time, uh, white supremacists were running around, setting shit on fire. And so this third night, a lot of places were burning. And there was a gas station, post office, that burned that night. But what was next to the gas station is a, an apartment complex um, that was uh, almost actually did get on fire. The fire trucks could not get to it, one, because, well, they refused to call the fire trucks, the police, the, like nobody was sending help. Nobody could find the mayor. So you had this building with families and people, literally human beings, maybe pets, because you all care about animals, <laughs> and, but didn't care enough that people were calling the mayor over and over on his personal cell phone, on wherever, and the guy could not be found. 
and the even later on fat fat what do you call people who work for fire trucks fire engine man <laughs> what else? sorry I, 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 that trade whatever the, these these guys later on talked about how they wanted to leave the station but they did not have a command to do so because they were not getting any directive from the mayor so this is the kind of ridiculousness we're talking this is like Fry is actually a fucking dangerous person like this cute shit that people are talking about how he's cute and handsome and he's on Vogue and he's having all these speeches wearing properly manicured suits or whatever is all a facade of a man who is a sociopath who doesn't give a fuck about people, doesn't care specifically about black people, and they're voting him in again and again. Well, again, he got voted in twice. And well, three times because he was in the city council and then mayor. This is his second term. <clears throat> but the whole point is like he's he's dangerous. And this situation with Walsh coming in, because Walsh is also dangerous, a different kind of danger, because he's oppressive and he's going to call the military to control Black people. Uh, and because we're, God forbid, pissed off that one of us got murdered by the state. Yeah, I mean, when, when so the situation in Minnesota is that, and in Minneapolis, is that for the past four years, at the very least, five years. Um, we've been existing under the leadership of two ill-suited leaders at the governor level and at the mayor level. So at the mayor level, people were worried that this cipher was being elected. Like what would what would be possible? What could happen with a person who refuses to take a stand, refuses to have a point of view, and refuses to actually act and has no ideas like what what could be possible to move forward and as long as he was ziplining across the mississippi or doing all of his little clownish acts it was fine it was only until the first crisis that people started to see the problem of cipher in a leadership role then you have the same thing happening basically at the state level when Waltz was elected, Black folks knew because of his indifference from when he was in Congress that it wasn't just a matter of nothing being possible happening, but indifference can have deadly consequences. And we've seen that borne out now during the pandemic. We've got a higher incidence of infection, COVID infection, hospitalization, and death among Black folks and Indigenous folks in Minnesota. And it's taken so long for well, to even just acknowledge that fact, even just start tracking, allowing the uh, health department to start tracking those numbers. And he's done nothing in between to try to mitigate any of that. So that's the, that's the environment that we find ourselves in at the state and the city level. Okay. Necessary information. And to have a willingness to both ask uncomfortable questions and then receive uncomfortable answers. Truth and justice must be our guiding principles and make no mistake that they will. So for tonight, know that 
so many people are grieving and gathering with their friends and their family. That felt very warm, like it was Christmas and Thanksgiving. Some folks are grieving, gathering with their friends. They have their hot cocoa and marshmallows. And, uh, you know, don't put too many marshmallows in the hot cocoa because that's, or, you know, maybe put a marshmallow for every cop that's still a nigger this year. So it's great. It's good. They want to process. They want to tragic events in the last few days. Uh, and they're still also feeling the grip of what our city has experienced in the form of so many crises over the last several years. Take care of each other. From tonight, as we look ahead, we are committed to this work, to each other, and to swift transparency. This is just hearts and prayers. This whole section is just hearts and prayers, because you don't have to and inshallah. Yeah, and this would be the point where he would have tagged in his his black friend, but that dude flew the coop for now. (laughs) (laughs) Now he's got to tag in Amelia. Yo, man, chief former police recently was did he resign? Yeah, he recently resigned. Chief resigned. But that the guy saw the writing on the wall. So it's like they're about to kill another black man. He's like, man, I'm better off applying for an NFL head coach's job. (laughs) (laughs) But that asshole stayed through the campaign, aimed in his uniform, killed the um, question two, which is all about actually addressing the corruption of MPD by creating a public safety department. So, Arredondo, fuck you. Wherever you are in environment, fuck you. Yeah, and consolidated or split a lot of the black votes. Yeah. Because, one, not engaging people with the truth and telling them what these referendums actually meant uh, and just saying support the black chief, which, again, is something that Nekima pushed. Uh, We're going to come to that later. But, like, she really was a champion of support the black chief, even though the black chief is like literally all the lies this man is telling Fry right now are part of this Arredondo black chief legacy. In all of the in all of the mythology of the magical Negro, there is no more magical or no more Negro than Arredondo. Yeah. He was held up just by this name. He would undo century, century. That's about as old as policing is in the United States. Uh, over a century of racial injustice just by being black and being the police chief. Hello, Amelia Huffman. Yeah, the interim Minneapolis police chief, Amelia Huffman. Now she's about to vomit her fucking Cheerios. No flavor. Hasn't seen a Honey Nut Cheerio in her life. Thank you, Mayor. Good evening. Let me first acknowledge, like Mayor Fry, the loss and pain in our community. These events unfold in seconds, but the trauma is long-lasting. A young man lost his life, and his friends and family are in mourning. Those words, dare I say, Alan, Edgar Allen, Popo. <laughs> Ooh, 
had no clue. <laughs> go home. Okay, you guys go. Um, also, the use of the word community is gaslighting. We're not from your fucking community. Me, MTD, majority of them are from the suburbs. One. Two, even if you live next door to me, you're not in community with me. So stop using that word. Well, in the way that they use the language, they always, except for in these press conferences, I think they intend community in these conference in this context to be all of us. But normally, community just means poor black folks that they are over policing and underserved. Rightfully so. And the course of the lives of our officers has been changed forever. Take her fifteen seconds to equate. The murdered person with her fucking officers. Yep. Community trust is a public safety requirement. In Minneapolis, our community safety work is only as good as the public trust that we have built, and we have plenty of work ahead of us. Then this tonight. Zero days until the next police incident. Where we are. Three days. There. Definition of plenty of work ahead of us is so fucking warped. And if you look like there, there was some kind of study done, but basically saying any like you know any tragic oppression done onto a people community takes the amount of time that was perpetrated on them times fifty percent to ever come back from. So. And that, that would mean slavery to, like, walk that back would take 600 years. So, like, what are we looking forward to? Right. As well as community conversations that I've had yesterday and today are part of that work. The decision- oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. I think the conversations I- that we had yesterday, you mean the Black Select Pop Lovers that y'all motherfuckers talk to? Is that what they mean by community? Yeah, the way that this unfolded this time, typically when the police murder someone in Minneapolis, the they issue, the police spokesperson issues a riddled with lies and misrepresentation press release. Riddled with lies. And which is quickly picked up and reported verbatim by the Star Tribune, so the local paper, um, and all of the broadcast news, uh, local broadcast news outlets. Then typically within that day, maybe 24 hours, as folks start to poke holes in that, they have to walk some of that back. Some of it never gets walked back by either the police or by media. And so what happened differently this time is that Amelia Huffman, the interim MPD chief, reached out to some of the select Negroes of Jacob Pry. So Jacob Pry has, has a history when he was a council member, but definitely from his first term, he has surrounded himself. So the majority of his staffers and his policy aides are Black women, inexplicably. Um, he has also surrounded himself with uh, his Black friend network. So... <laughs> He's got a black friend network that he constantly refers to and relies on. One of those black friends 
um, that he has pulled now into this um, public safety super group that he created is Nikima, Nikima Levy Armstrong, um, who really was angling this week for her local clown of, of the city with her antics, and we will definitely get into it in a couple of seconds here. Yeah, we'll hear that. So yeah, so they released the information through Nikima, who then released the information through her Facebook. That's not the way this is supposed to happen. And news, like the Star Tribune, Tanya Press, they were all quoting Caleb, and they were all like, according to Nikima, the police say blah, 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 blah. What? Basically, in an effort to tamp down any sort of response, any sort of uprising, any sort of call for their keyword transparency. So Nikima was fed information and seemed to have no qualms about releasing information and doing her part to manage and manipulate the community. Oh, my God. Uh, this is not the first time, sorry. This is not the first time that this has happened. Like, no. Yeah. And especially when Arredondo was chief, it was very common for that to happen that she would get the first call. And later on, when the press asked her why she didn't find a problem with this, she said that Pop always reached out to the NAWCP. So they started reaching out to her when she was there and all that. Uh, and to be honest, even if they did it in good faith, which there's no good faith, anything that cops ever do, is you should be pushing for more transparency. There's no way I'm getting calls from a cop, from cops and being like, I'm the carrier of the news. Right. They have to, like, push them to do better, push them to be more transparent. And because it is not a single responsibility for a citizen, especially someone who shares the safety work group of the mayor's office to uh, be the spokesperson of the mouthpiece for the police. And we're going to hear the most bootleg, off-branch, Shakespearean, in cahoots stage play back and forth between them when she uh, does what she does. Part of what Nakima being the spokesperson, being carrying water for Brian for MPD, it, this cascade effect, and you had all manner of jokers. So you had Ward, is it Ward 6? Which, which my guy? Jamal, Jamal Osman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ward 6, yes. Yeah. So the council member for Ward 6 decided to chime in with some nonsense. This is where there was still very little information, because I guess they had only fed Mukimo so, so much information. So Osman decided to chime in on social media that he was outraged that no one had reached out to him, that the, that the, the MPD had reached out to Nakima instead of him when it is thought and presumed because Amir Locke's name, first name is Amir, that he was Somali. So you guys, actually, it's great that you bring this up because I was going to talk about some of the xenophobia around this kid because there's black immigrants who've been killed by cops and people keep making this distinction about their immigrant mess. But the end of the day is a cop is a black person. They're going to kill you. They don't right. give a fuck. 
you have an accent, it's very exotic, whatever black immigrants think y'all are, they will kill you. And so what has happened in some of these organizing spaces is that this distinction has been made because it should never have been relevant whether this guy was Somali or not. And yet it became a thing where the breaking of the news, first of all, how are you going to share information that is not even confirmed? Like, you know nothing about the guy and you're sharing information based on rumors that cops are telling you, you know, cops lie. And then a few minutes later, we're going to see this. You're going to scream about how you'll not be taken a fool off. Like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, in between the re- information being released to Nakima, Nakima carrying water for MPD and Fry, and then all manner of other people popping off online, more details started coming out. Then they had a press conference that night where basically everything they said was a lie, where everything Huffman and Fry said was a lie. They claimed that police loudly announced themselves prior to entering. Um, They claimed that Locke appeared in the doorway with the gun. They claimed that the gun was being raised towards police. They mischaracterized every single aspect of what actually happened. And it's now this press conference is taking place after the body cam footage has been released. So now Nikima will have a reason to change her tune. Mm-hmm. Footage is not necessarily common among local governments, but I believe it is the right decision. My initial priority, like Mayor Fry's, was for the parents of this young man to be able to see this video before it was released to the public. And they had the opportunity to do so this afternoon. I'm grateful to all of the folks in the city whose work made it possible for us to release this video to you tonight and to Mayor Fry for his partnership and his shared commitment to building public trust and rebuilding community safety. I'm under no illusion that processing this video will be easy. It won't be. It shouldn't be. These are wrenching videos to watch. They're painful. <laughs> What's painful for, for, for her and the police is knowing that their officers have to experience this trauma for the rest of their life. No, there's no illusion. I want to get like that Dave Chappelle get off the stage Oscars <laughs> and just a just attend these press conferences from now on and, and, and just clear that up. But it's necessary. And I hope that it provides some answers along with the questions. And so here's a brief recap of the events that led up to the As many of you know, this involves an underlying homicide investigation that was undertaken by the St. Paul Police Department. Their investigation led them to identify several suspects in three locations in the city of Minneapolis. And they asked the Minneapolis Police Department SWAT team to execute the search warrant at three apartments. So this turns out to be one of the lies. Yep. St. Paul Police Department, with a quickness, was like, oh no, you're not taking us down. <laughs> but it'd be known to anyone who would listen that they didn't ask for a no-knock warrant that they weren't actually going after a suspect. They were trying to recover evidence. evidence. There was no need for a warrant. And it was only Minneapolis Police Department that insisted on the no-knock warrant 
And then, surprise, Judd Cahill is right now presiding over the three cops who stood around and uh, with the murder of George Floyd. He's the judge in that case. So he signed off on the no-knock warrant. And you know, the, the thing too is the same call police are also pieces of shit. They're violent as well. The sheriff there is no better than our sheriff here. I think St. Paul police still hold the title um, of being the most violent uh, police department in the state. Oh, oh. They do. Maxtell is, uh, he's as corrupt as it gets. I was talking to a woman and a resident of St. Paul back back when I was organizing, and she she had she was like a woman who was like in her fifties, but had a kid later in life. So her child was like seventeen at the time. Um, and the, the house next door to her, there was you know, nefarious shit going on, perhaps like dealing this and that, whatever. And she was you know worried about her teenager's safety, her teenage daughter's safety. And one of the people who was one way or another like friends involved with the people doing their their dirty work next door, they basically got wind that she was calling the police complaining about it. And she woke up, uh, her daughter woke up one night with a man in her bedroom on the second floor. And, the, and when she woke up, the man jumped out, but she's like 100% sure it was Axtell and his people um, because Axtell's family, a family member of Axtell's was involved with the people at the house next door. She's 100% convinced. Oh my God. My goodness, that is horrifying. And, and and to think, I mean, this is the thing, there's no loyalty among thieves. Like yeah. St. Paul PD really distanced themselves very quickly from the actions of uh, Amir's Amir Locke's death uh, killing because they didn't want to be tied to it, but it's not like they would have done anything different, you know. Didn't St. Paul also uh, quickly distance themselves from the debacle of um, Winston's murder? Again. Yes, <laughs> they did. What, and what were they doing all that disrespect? They said that they would no longer participate in these joint actions, too. But, and, yet, and yet, they did ask. I mean, the original warrant was from them. So even though it was not a no knock warrant. They were running a full. Anyway. But the fact that they left it remotely up to the you know, it's like it's like the Minneapolis police are the white women of police because the St. Paul police kills the most they're the white men. And white women be like born for the crown, like, yo, I wanna be champion of the worst motherfucker alive. I'm telling you. Minneapolis police are the white women of You know what? You know what? Uh, yes. We'll, we'll go with that for now. Let's go. Yes. Okay. We'll have to say no comment. Knock <laughs> search warrant were obtained for those locations so that the SWAT team could assess the circumstances and make the best possible decision about entry. As you saw in the video, the team approached the door and they used a key. There was no need to force entry. There was no breaching. There was no RAM involved. They used the key to open the door. 
and announced police search warrant before they crossed the threshold. The team was announcing police search warrant as they proceeded into the apartment. Their job was to make was to kill a nigger entry deliberately to assess any threats that were inside. Okay, pause. So here's a question that I have is one what authority does police have when they enter an apartment building to get permission? Because you, you need access, yeah? So it's not just entering the main foyer, but it's like they had a key into the, <sighs> the apartment. So what responsibility do they have and culpability because they are responsible for this in the first place, especially because we learn later that Mary's name was not on the Warrant, so he wasn't even in, uh, and he doesn't even leave. He didn't leave in the building. So, under what authority did they have to get in? Right? Did they just brandish? Because you know, I know what ICE does is like immigration. They'll pretend that someone's name is on something, so they'll actually put the flash it in front of people and tell you a random name, even though it's not on the warrant. Even though sometimes they don't even have a warrant, and so they do that. So. What happened in this situation? I mean, and they have a key, right? And they, they have a key, so they got permission. They so thus far they, said they're going to seal the warrant and they won't be making the warrants public. Yeah, they won't be so making the warrants. And we can find so, out details. And what we do know from they won't let the they won't make the warrant public. But what we do know is that two of the apartments were knocked. And one was no knock. Now, I don't know that if they actually used the no knock on the one where they ended up killing somebody. Who knows? No. Yeah. I don't know if those apartments are the ones that are outlisted on the on the warrant. Nobody right. knows. Yeah, who knows? Could it even be have been another apartment building? Yeah. <laughs> Toward the back of the apartment, you saw in the video. There was a couch, and you can see that there's a form under a blanket or a comforter. A human person? Heads up. A form. Henceforth, black people can no longer be called black bodies. We are now forms. It's just even, it's reflexive. Every opportunity to strip humanity from mere lock in the mind of anybody listening. They shot a form. They didn't shoot a person. <laughs> the officers were friends. They wouldn't even describe their fucking dogs like this. They would not describe the animals as a form. But a 22-year-old black man is a form. Giving <sighs> commands to show your hands, show your hands. And as they got close, you can see, along with an individual emerging from under the blanket, the barrel of a gun, which comes out from the blanket and becomes more fully exposed as you move frame by frame through the video. That is hard black, that is hard black dick of a gun becoming more fully exposed. It emerges from it emerges. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the no, government actually has more humanity 
Then the fork. <laughs> the gun is <laughs> Right. The gun is actually named as what it is, as opposed to a mere fuck being named as a, as a man, as a human. Um, no mention of the fact that the gun at no point is being raised, it's pointed down, and that Amir, even though he is still clearly not awake, has enough trigger um, discipline to not have his finger on the trigger. Right, because he's blinded as well. Like, he, yeah. It, it, like, you know, you, how many times have we seen, what, what, you know, Black people, we're the funniest people alive. We've seen so many pranks on, like, Instagram and TikTok of homies and friends, you know, staring each other, right? Like, he did everything. Yes. He did everything tactically under his tactical training of someone who is legally carrying a, uh, has a permit to carry a firearm while he's blinded to, to maybe in his subconscious at the very least think I'm just going to fucking point and shoot that shit I can't see because I can't see because it could be one of my people what, for whatever reason. So it's, it's, and let's uh, not forget this happened at the wee hours of the morning. Yo. At least six people all yelling different commands at the same time after they have kicked the couch to wake him up. Like the kicking of the couch, they weren't just coming in and, oh, there's somebody sleeping. Like every single thing with policing is about escalation. They have no ability to de escalate. Kicking the couch was a startling violent act to rouse him up. <laughs> and they knew who walked into a house at that time. You know people are sleeping. You know yes. people are sleeping. Yeah, that's why no-knock warrants are dangerous. You know that you are, if you're going in in the wee hours, you know you are. you have the potential. We live in a country where you can own a firearm. We during the pandemic and definitely post-uprising, folks have been encouraged to own firearms, to have firearms for their own safety, mm. which is the reason why the reason why Amir Locke had it. Mm. So the expectation from police is that they're going to enter a scenario where someone may have a firearm. Yeah, and they, they, they are, it's not like uh, they are there to kill you. Like, they, in their minds, they already, they, some of them want it, some of them want to kill someone that day, like, these motherfuckers yeah. are Call of Duty playing motherfuckers, and it's not enough, Call of Duty is not enough for them, it doesn't make their dicks harder, so when they get a chance to kill a nigger, they're gonna kill a nigger, any type of nigger, okay, and I'm, when I say E-R, E-R's, because that is, it's never a question of it. That's what's going through their mind. And that's what they're saying when they go home from the fucking job and eat around the dinner table and talk about niggas. Okay? Right. I mean, because that's all of us. That's literally all of us. And let's not even, like, so yes, Amir is who was killed. And whoever was on that warrant, if it was multiple people, they were going to be killed. Because these guys walked in. They didn't know who they were walking in. They didn't no, Amir was going to be there. So they were going to kill someone that night, morning rather. That When they decided to get a no-knock warrant, they decided that they wanted the opportunity to kill someone. Because remember, according to St. Paul Police Department, they were only going after evidence. They were not trying to find a suspect. 
They were looking for evidence in this murder investigation. Yes, the options were looking. They were hunting. Yes. Hunting down. Oh my goodness. Hey, I'm not a. I'm not a non. I'm not a non no not warrant expert, but uh, I have had. I've been in trouble in my life, and I've had cops show up to my house uh, looking for me or whatever, and they knocked. And I answered the door, didn't invite them in, and they had questions. But if I hadn't answered the door, they would have just come back later. And I think with a warrant, you can still do that if you're just there to collect evidence. What's the... Come on, man. (sighs) Someone's going to eventually be home if you're doing your job as a, quote-unquote, officer of the law, surveilling and whatnot. Chose the image of the firearm in the subject's hands at the best possible moment when the lighting was was fully on him. That's the moment when the officer had to make a split-second decision to assess the circumstances and determine whether... Hey, which is it? Split-second decision or assess the circumstances? Can't do both? No. Remember, all of this takes place in nine seconds, and remember the evidence that is being cited now, the body cam footage, is not from the shooter. So we don't know what the shooter saw. He felt like there was an articulable threat, that the threat was of imminent harm. It takes longer to say the word articulate than to make a split-second decision. Great bodily harm or death, and that he needed to take action right then to protect himself and his partners. Ultimately, that decision whether that threshold was met will be examined by the county attorney's office that reviews this case. It's been examined by the world at this point. The homicide investigation in St. Paul is ongoing. Mr. Locke was not named in the original search warrant. And so at this point, it is unclear if or how he's connected to St. Paul. This shit fucked me up. Yep, yep. Original search warrant? Well, what, are you, you going to come up with a Second draft out of nowhere and Paul's investigation. <sighs> they are continuing to work dedicatedly on that case. The case they're not telling us about is the case they're making to connect Amir to all this other shit that was initially part of their little warrant situation. And St. Paul distanced themselves after this interview. Yes. Oh, they didn't say anything, but after this press conference, St. Paul was like, your motherfuckers are in your own. <laughs> yeah. That's how badly Amelia is doing. Oh, Lord. So, like, being interim police chief is basically being on a months-long interview. I think she passed. If you interviewed for any position this badly, would you still be? <laughs> Considered for the position. Listen, we have a, a sheriff who was driving 200 miles an hour, <laughs> flipped his car, was drunk as fuck, and is still sheriff. So yes, she's and, he's, and he said someone else was driving. <laughs> <laughs> so she's good. She's good. Hey guys, hey guys, <laughs> I'm still your guy because I'm gay. I'm still your guy. Oh, and I have, I have a, a. a, a Guatemalan husband. <laughs> no, I love it brown. I love it brown. <laughs> now it's time for a sidebar shadiness. Um, didn't he supposedly not stay 
at the sheriff convention hotel out in Alexandria because he was hitting on somebody. Oh, multiple women. Yeah, he was hitting. And then they would say something and he'd be like, oh, no, I'm gay. Like, yes, gay motherfuckers can also be misogynist and women. Like, stop it. Like, right. (laughs) Sexually harassing the servers and then couldn't stay overnight, couldn't stay out there. And that's when he decided to drive himself home like a bat out of fucking hell. Shady sidebars always encouraged. Shady sidebar closed. <laughs> they did search and recover items that they believe are of evidentiary value in their homicide investigation. Meaning they stole people's weed. <laughs> Yo, the amount of times my, well, someone I know very dearly, I'm not going to say what <laughs> but the amount of times they've had their weed taken by the cops that, that they say, oh, I'm grateful. The, in some cases, I'm grateful for a corrupt cop. Yeah, that's right. Please take your money or your weed. Yeah. Knowing the Minneapolis Police Department will also make an assessment policy and procedure violations in a separate internal administrative investigation. I thought you all had done no knock warrants, so what are you going to evaluate? Ridiculous. Like, at this point, I feel like there's like seven investigations happening, and we'll probably know about one or two of them. So Rondo and Fry rewrote the no knock. They didn't truly ban it, as we know, but they restricted it, and they came up with these protocols that cops need to, the steps cops need to do when they are crossing the threshold, which is why in this press conference, she makes this whole song and dance about before they cross the threshold and after they cross the threshold. So, okay. um, so I ask you, so this threshold business, is this like when uh, a couple is entering the house for the first time <laughs> they jump a broom and like is that a, like what, 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 what is this threshold? Like yeah. Yes, the threshold is the door jam, basically. <laughs> but since the mayor now has wooed over a lawyer from um, Target Corporation to be the city attorney, we get all kinds of fancy policies that are legalese. All right, let's hey, let's how let ironic is that you hire a dude from Target to join the squad that loves target practice on black people. Target yep. <laughs> okay, is the chief of surveillance, so... Mm. Mm-hmm. There are multiple jurisdictions and multiple investigations bound up in this discussion, and that makes information sharing extremely complicated. I want to be direct with you. Due to the multi-jurisdictional considerations, I am limited in what I can say. And then St. Paul was like, nope. Nope. <laughs> right. We do not hold ourselves to the same. They them something that we don't need to know about because there's privacy, confidentiality. Then Paul is like, mm-mm. That might be the way you want to do it, but we're about to tell everything. And, and for everyone listening, St. Paul is like the sister, brother city, whatever, right across the river. That's why we're called the Twin Cities for folks who don't live in Minnesota. Um, and again, St. Paul, 
murders more more of us than Minneapolis. But again, Minneapolis, they're going for the crown, baby. Take questions, as will the mayor, and we will do our best. So we will definitely look at all of the events in this case that led up to this incident. Uh, we will be re-examining our policies, of course. Um, our agency is committed to meeting best practices uh, and tactical operations um, among agencies very widely. Uh, there is no single best practice for making these kind of entries. And even among agencies in the Twin Cities, uh, agencies may use different tactics on different search warrants and different agencies have different policies. So certainly I think that will be a valuable conversation. Mr. I cannot speak for the investigation in St. Paul. Who just pissed me off? The person in the audience says, was Mr. Locke a suspect in any crime at all? And she lies. Yeah, she holds, again, she cannot let go of of trying to protect the police from murdering a completely innocent person. I wonder if he thinks that she's the head of the police federation instead of the police department. Well, since that guy uh, resigned or retired, whatever. Yeah. Another sidebar. uh, His wife quit. She did. Yeah. So the police chief or no, union, police union head of Minneapolis Police Department was married to, or is currently married to a woman who works at one of the local TV stations where he gave exclusive interviews to and there was never any oversight. She never declared conflict of interest. She'd actually sometimes interview him directly. Anyway, good riddance. She quit. Because I don't have the fact of that case, but St. Paul is working to understand the evidence that they collected and the underlying facts of their homicide investigation. And I have been assured by Chief Axel that they will make information public as soon as they have it available. Right. So in the video, I mean, can you uh, repeat that question? It was hard to hear. So the person asking the question is saying to the chief that the day before his press conference that she was saying that officers were loudly yelling and knocking before they entered. But the video clearly shows that none of that took place. And they're asking her to answer to that now. She's going to give you the bullshit answer. No, they were cartoon creeping. Turning, it was like there's a um, Tom and Jerry cartoon where he yeah. slowly opens the door. That's exactly what they were doing. Like, were, I was like, oh, they made that key at the local Ace Hardware. I can tell by the the, <laughs> the, 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 the the model of that spare key or whatever. It's like it was so slow. I was like, is this a joke? They were quiet as murderous mice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And announce police search warrant before they enter the apartment. 
Is that Javier's voice? They're all uh, all of. Uh, let's see. I don't know if Javier's up in there, but all kinds of like the folks from Minnesota Reformer been there, like some press folks, and then I don't know why, um, like uh, Michelle Gross and Kimo are up in there, or um, where are they not? What does compare? I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know what all of those folks are doing up there. Wait, Tana, you saw the uh, the family press conference too, the like yeah. two hour one. I saw. <laughs> I, I definitely encourage everyone to view the video and make that assessment for them. He was just like, all right, well, I don't have an answer to that. I invite you, like, I'm going to throw some more ambiguity in here, even though the video is not at all ambiguous. I invite you to watch it and, and come up with your own dis- dis- ideas. Okay, next question. He's saying police training one on one. It sounds like that's Michelle Gross speaking. Police training one on one to not like announce yourself and be yelling, you know, by the dozens. So, certainly when we're doing a more controlled um, action like a felony stop, uh, we clearly identify one person to be speaking. In this case, the officers were um, advancing into the apartment and also into separate rooms. And so, you- no, I've never seen a single movie, and even like the good action movies where they like do the raids, they're not like all screaming. They're like going into each separate room and they're like clear, clear, clear. Like they ain't doing all this shit. As you always assume, there's always a person in charge. Like there's always one person, like. What do you mean they were going into different rooms? It's a fucking apartment. It's not a mansion. Like you're describing it as if it's like a palace with multiple entrances. One yeah, entrance. Yeah, exactly. Outside the door. Basically, she is trying to. She's presenting the fact that it was an out of control police action mm-hmm. by trying to present that as being like normal. This isn't normal. This is the way this happens. Being commands, loud commands. Um, and repeating police search warrant, police search warrant. Yeah, so if you look at that still image, um, even though you don't see all of the officers, the involved officer was just outside the frame in the direction that that barrel is emerging from the blanket. And certainly when the county attorney's office reviews that case, they will be carefully examining all of those factors. Uh, and I am I'm absolutely positive they will take a look at that. Um, of course, we all know these events happen very rapidly. And as there's a gun emerging in your direction, you're forced to make a split second decision um, about when it, when it's a threat. Okay. Because um, I have a feeling we're about to get to the main dinner part of this. Um, it can't be. It can't be both ways. It can't be the sureness of the still image that shows the threat. And the snap decision right. that the officer had to go with. So why why defend the one position at this point? Why not just say investigation is ongoing? You're just terrible. You're just terrible at being an adult who is employed yeah. in any industry. 
like, and then we're going to get like our grand entrance any minute now, right? here for a second and then we'll let Anna chime in. So Nikina Levy Armstrong uh starts speaking and approaches the, the, the dais, the podium or whatever you call it. So she starts to, you know, approach the mayor and the chief to say some words. And she turns around to I believe she's speaking to some of the security in the room. And she opens up her blazer to reveal a t-shirt to declare I am not a threat. And uh, let's pay one more time. We all know these events happen very rapidly. And as they're threat, I don't have a threat. Okay? Don't treat me like I'm a threat. This sent me. I scream. I have screamed each time I've watched it. So, I mean, we assume that she has turned now to show security that she's not a threat. That's what she's intending for us to understand. Whatever, whoever she's speaking to is off camera, out of view. So I don't know if that's the scene. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's a scene, or it's a scene as in and action. I don't, I mean, this thrilled me for so many reasons. One, that, you know, for the past 30 days because of Omicron, I have not been able to see live performance until this evening. <laughs> and it's winter, so we can't do the patio. No, I do the patio performances. Oh man, oh man, the anatomy of the cover up. This is unacceptable. I'm sorry, it is. So, I don't think that's when you hear her like kind of gasping for breath. I don't think that's necessarily emotion, I think that's her remembering her lines. Yeah, I think so. You see, she basically there's not any tape on the floor for her mark, but she basically mark. And turns to the camera. Perfect. Yes. And Jacob was waiting. He didn't like. He he was he he followed her. He's like, yes, I'm still in the frame. Keep Jacob was on his mark, right? Yep. Mayor, fuck ass fry. Okay. Look at everybody's body language. Everybody's body language. This, this whole thing was free to you that either the mayor or the police chief. This is something they weren't expecting. Also, Did these like, seem startled. It's, it's also it's like you didn't see. Here's here's a, here's another tell. They have security because that's just what they're doing. They're doing their job to make sure that the mayor and the chief can speak uninterrupted. And yet, we don't see exactly who she's turning to on camera. But you would think if she was like letting the security know she's not a threat, that the security may have been flinching toward her. And you would think. That the mayor and or the chief would be would back up. Would, well, you think they'd be signaling to the uh, security to be like, "It's all good. It's all good." Yeah. They, 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 they had no expressions. They had no, no expressions. This is a whole fucking act. I mean, you know when they make movies now and they use green screen and they put the they put the threat or the whatever in afterward and people are acting to basically a tennis ball. That's <laughs> what was happening here. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so hold on. I, I do want to say, I think, too, for the context for folks, why this is <clears throat> hilarious to us, and we're really not undermining, you know, the like people speaking up against, because this is a cover up. We all agree this is a cover up. The cops are doing, 
the thing is, as we had said earlier, we have all known who Nekima is. We've all known who MPD is. Sorry, not Nekima. We've known who Cry is. We've known who MPD is. And we've experienced the terrorism for a while. And yet, Nekima has been side by side with Minneapolis Police Department. It's, it's just funny that suddenly she's now questioning it in a very public way, where even in this very meeting, she doesn't, I mean, it's coming up later, but she's still co-chair of the, of the safety, the, the, the mayor's fake safety group that is not transparent, that is not doing any of the things that they need to be doing. So, And 24 hours before, she was doing the work of Jacob Fry and MPD by being the, the spokesperson, essentially, for this action. It might look revolutionary or whatever, but to us that we are stunned because we're like, yo, just 24 hours ago, this is who you were. You derailed a whole campaign on, around elections last year that would give less power to the mayor, that would give uh, change the makings of the police department, not abolish it as people are assuming, but it would change the police department. And she was rewarded by being made co-chair of Jacob Price Public Safety Panel. Right. So this is this is peak performance because yeah, anyway, go on with the thing. It's I I haven't heard the D word yet from you, McKesson. Uh, you know, being strong. Talk about the importance of transparency and accountability. And here, what we are seeing is business as usual. And you know this, Amelia. No. Such a warm way to say her name, almost as if they're friends. I don't know how you guys lived that night. I couldn't sleep that night. Here, from a mother's perspective, thinking about what happened, I saw the picture of a married looks like a boy. My son is 17 years old. He is up on his friend's couches for sleepover. So we cannot sit here and whitewash this and pretend that it's okay. You knew that I was not going to stand for police violence and a push for accountability. Yet you asked me to be a part of the work group. And I knew what I thought I was signed up for. This isn't what I signed up for. I How? What? What previous actions from, from Jacob Fry or in this city's history? This none of this is new. None of this started with Jacob Fry. All of this predates Jacob Fry. That, do you know how many commissions there have been um, that have been trying to pull in some sort of bullshit community policing, community oversight of police? These neutered commissions that have no authority have been named, dismantled, and named again. <laughs> so the idea that she thought she knew what she was getting into, and somehow this murder shows her that this was, was not the case, is absolutely ridiculous. Hmm. And also back to what both of you had said earlier when, an hour ago when we started talking, is that Fry has really surrounded himself with Black people. Like, yes, mostly Black women, but he has surrounded himself with Black people, and so he gets away with shit 
because there's this group of black people who are always endorsing him and giving him grace and time after time, even though he's shown us who he is. And so we can't make progress because we are holding hands with this petulant child. Yeah, and this strategy, like this, this showed showed up before the murder, like the day before the murder, in the Vogue profile that came out yeah. on Friday, which we can talk about later. Let's go let Nikima work her scene. And if you're not comfortable having me continue to come here, that's your prerogative. I signed up to help bring recommendations because we're tired of being killed. We're tired of the cover-ups. We're tired of the and the high behind the St. Paul Police Department, the deadliest police force in the state of Minnesota is unacceptable. You all had no business agreeing to carry out a, a warrant, and now you're claiming that's part of their investigation. You don't know. But why the hell did you all sign up to do this in the first place? There was a homicide that happened at one something in the morning on Hennepin Avenue. Here, someone was killed, and then the person drove away in a black SUV. They're still at large. In Minneapolis, potentially a threat to residents. But you all go do something to St. Paul Police, now you're trying to hide behind that decision. It's not acceptable. We are ready for change. When the people voted to re-elect the Jacob, they not only showed that they wanted to see a new leader, right? Not saying you're not the person who got re-elected, who got re-elected, but what they were expecting is a new beginning. That's why they gave you more power. I mean, shady sidebar, like celebrities are reposting this, this, you know, protest within the press conference as revolutionary. I mean, she's like one, you know, she's like one share away from getting a, a Fenty lipstick deal. Okay. From Rihanna. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, this is the calculation, right? Kima had some personal brand repair to do very quickly so that she could continue to be, you know, designated Black woman activist for Minnesota, because there can be only one in Minnesota. So. So that is what we want to see as the residents of Minneapolis. We don't want to see cover-ups. We don't want to see whitewashing. People are asking very simple questions that have still not been answered. Amelia, you're saying you want to be the chief? Then act like it. Demonstrate integrity. They'll cover up for what those cops did. If they knew that the kid had a gun as he started waking up, they dropped their weapon. They didn't do that. One cop opened fire and took the life of a child who was trying to go back into his blanket. Any mom can see what happened there. So I can't tolerate the whitewashing. I'm sorry, y'all. We can't do this. I know you have the narrative. I know you have the and no, you guys didn't personally go shoot somebody, but you do have the opportunity to make it right. To talk about the fact that you changed the no knock warrant policy. Where's the evidence of that? That wasn't present on what happened to Mir Lock. Uh, bro, because you, can't, you, didn't read the, you didn't read you didn't read their material before. Like what? You're that much on the inside. Mm-hmm. Which begs the question, like, again, they keep talking about transparency. Um, a few folks have dropped off of this uh, public safety commission 
because there is no transparency. They won't hold the meetings um, under open meeting uh, protocol. Nobody knows what's going on. It begs the question, what the fuck has been happening in these commission meetings? Mm -hmm. Motherfucking... But like, it's like it's not like anything coming out of her mouth is untruthful. In no. like she's telling the truth. She is fed up. But how fed up is it like like are we always? It's like revolutionary in Minnesota specifically. I'm not gonna speak for any other state. I don't live in any other state. But like incremental at best is considered revolutionary in this fucking state in terms of change. But she's like, huh? You know, this is this is like Act Three when she ends up saying like she. Should I stay? Should I go? Like, we want you to stay. Like, it shouldn't even be a question for, for Nakima or anyone else on that commission whether or not they should stick around and fuck their title, like co-chair or not. Hey. Everybody should just be gone immediately. If this was the thing that you're fed up with after Dante Wright and George Floyd didn't have you fed up, then what the fuck? Yeah, and I mean, yes. And clearly, <laughs> we joke about her acting. I mean, this is performative. I do feel she is genuine in even being performative. She is still genuine in her desire for change. Um, and I do believe she actually is fed up. But right. so, for instance, I don't have any clean um, towels right now because I haven't done laundry. Does it, does it make any sense for me to be fed up for not having any clean towels? You're probably <laughs> fed up, but that's on you, though. Right. <laughs> I'm the one sitting here not not washing my towels. <laughs> Does it make any sense for me to be fed up? Let me not ask a follow up question, but uh, <laughs> no, I mean that's legitimate because there is a lot of things that she says, and like we are all like, yes, we're fed up and also traumatized by watching this video, experiencing another black person feel at the hand of cop, and yet we also know. If we've made the decision, we are not collaborating with pop, pop we're not working with pop, yeah. because we know who they are. They yes. have shown us over and over. Not, not of this is a surprise. They've lied in press conferences. They've lied in statements. Fry ran a whole campaign of lies, including uh, what is the campaign that was supporting him? What is it called? The Yes. Yeah, his pack is all for Minneapolis. Right. So there are all these people. So people in, in our houses, well, I don't, I junk all that shit, but people have mailers with lies on them. So yes, the websites have been scrubbed and there's no evidence of like him lying about what he was going to do for cop. And the one thing too that is missing in a lot of these conversations is Minneapolis has some of the best reform laws, and I say best in court. Like, a lot of things that happen that cops do when they kill people are already illegal. So what is policy going to do? Yes, we have implemented every reform under consideration in, in contemporary and modern policing has been implemented um, in the MPD. It has not, <laughs> it has not borne any fruit because there's a question of whether policing can be reformed and then specifically whether the MPD can be reformed. Um, let's, let, let's let Nakima finish out her scene. To the co-chair of this group, I'm expecting strong leadership 
I'm expecting integrity and I'm expecting accountability. You guys aren't going to waste my goddamn time. And I don't care about that security trying to stop me. You, I can be used to come speak the truth about what needs to happen. But when it's time to call out these inconsistencies, these inaccuracies, the lack of information, I got to sit in the back or even not even be invited. I missed this the first time I said, so she did acknowledge that she's being used. Well, she, I, think, I think she meant like uh, as a community spokesperson. Yeah, that mm-hmm. she she's mad. Right. Her anger is that she, in the 24 hours since she was used to be the mouthpiece, she, she has like certain details emerged that definitely showed that this was not a justified shooting and that this was a complete shit show and that she is part of her anger that we are seeing is for the situation, but it's also because she's been used. But, you know, this claim of like, I'm not going to have my time wasted by by you. No, she's going to waste her own time by staying on this. She hasn't resigned from this commission. By joining it in the first place. Cops are all fucking garbage. All of them. Every single one of them. And that includes, like, anyone who's pro-cop. So you're a fucking cop. Yeah. <laughs> I include your husband. Okay, we're gonna... It's almost done. It's almost over. Like, don't get me wrong. Again, she's being genuine to a degree that she's fed up, that she's telling the truth. If if I was there and a security tried to put hands on her, I would be fucking ready to fight. The security... That we're not ever arguing, like, do black people need to rise up? Like, we're just, like, entertained by this city and some of its quote-unquote leaders and how every, at every single turn they think that getting the job done can only be relied on their prominent, public, loud leadership. Like, loud, but when I say loud, I mean every single community activist leader, not just the team. It's just, it's just a joke. It's just a fucking joke. Like, it's a pandemic. It's 2022. You got people out here, uh, you know, promoting miscegenation to no end. Like, that's going to solve all the world problems if we just have a world full of mixed kids. It's like, I'm tired of it all. So what the fuck? Too hard. There's people in jail, including Cortez Wright, trying to get the court to show what's happening in the courtroom so people can see what's going on. People have put their lives on the line because we're ready for change. So we're expecting from this point forward for you guys to do something different. I'm not playing. We're not here for it. We're not here for it. I'm only... You just told a white woman, I'm not playing. They don't even know what that phrase even means. Committed to working on this work group and you all are committed to being honest and transparent and not covering up the bullshit. Baby, you're still giving them a chance. Yeah. This was repair, like personal brand repair for Nikima, but also for this public safety commission. Like you have to have the people involved with it outraged, um, but still committed to working with you on it. So that's some of the subtext of this bullshit also. Mm. And so basically, as we wind down, they begin to answer a couple of questions, but when the questions start to really pour in, they literally just walk out in the middle of the questioning, not even a couple of minutes later. May we remember the beginning of this press conference started with transparency. Mm-hmm. 
or shitty journalism spread throughout the local papers, most of the local papers at the very least, they had a picture in some of the articles of Mir's legal firearm that never discharged because, you know, like, you, I don't even know why they're trying to convince racist people to hate the guy that got, just got murdered more than they already hate him. They already don't like black so, right, the way that that image was supposed to work is that the narrative, the prevailing narrative is that gun, illegal guns are a wash in the city, and illegal guns are the equivalent of crime and Negroes. I'll hear carjacking, violence, all of this. So, posting the, like, spreading the photo of Amir's, <laughs> that he's licensed for, that he has a concealed carry permit for very expensive firearm. This wasn't some $25 gun. That was this is a very expensive firearm. Um but spreading that and having that that stands in for the body that we don't get to see, right? There was even detail on what kind of rounds that they were armor piercing rounds. No, they're rounds that actually make it make the shot more accurate. Coming up, you're going to hear one of the best parts, which is Jacob is just rocked. He can't even like get his words together. Oh man, that upper lip is sweating like a motherfucker. Y'all, you might need to turn your brightness up on your computer. So, yeah, this is basically, you could swap this video out for one of those nights during the uprising. He had, he had, pimples. He had pimples in those ones. This one, no pimples yet. Yeah. So... Ms. Ms. Gross, thank you for being here. And Ms. Levy Armstrong, thank you for your strong words. Uh, you acknowledged and rightfully pointed out that at this moment in time, we need accountability, we need leadership, and we need transparency. You asked whether we wanted you to continue as co-chair. The answer is yes. We are dead serious about seeing the necessary changes through. And the necessary changes start with being honest and transparent. That begins with all of you here today and releasing body camera. Your language, pal. That begins. So what about all the other times when you said that this begins? Right? Like, it's what? Who's he? How many years is he now? Three or four? He's starting his second term. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, five. Every time, oh. you're in, every time you're in a press conference and you say that begins here, is admitting you never gave a single solitary fuck all along. But this also extending now the onus, the responsibility to everybody. Like, this now is all of us. It's now on all of us to find honesty, to be transparent. 
even you black person walking down the street minding your own business, maybe sleeping on a couch, your responsibility, be transparent. But it's all nonsense. I mean, because it doesn't at all acknowledge the dynamic. Like, like, where is the power originating? Who's holding the power? <laughs> Do you and I hold power? When it comes to Fry or when it comes to MPD or the media's perception of our murder? No, there isn't any equivalency here. And, and we know he doesn't have power over MPD. I mean, yes, legally he does. And also, MPD's rogue. They're going to do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> yeah, but like, he can also acknowledge that. Why? No, not them. Up to them. None no, of them. Of course, no, they, they're not going to acknowledge it, but that's what someone with integrity and leadership that he's talking about would do. He, like, he, can't, he can't do that at all. Like, the, the, look at the, the, the new police chief in Little Rock, Arkansas. What happened when he tried to stand in integrity? And just, you know, literally, okay, I'm a cop, but I'm going to take all these measures. If we don't start here, then what are we doing at all? And Jacob ain't got an ounce of that. The developers and downtown council and chamber of commerce, all of the people who basically invested in him and secured him this position, it, it doesn't matter that he's in it. They bought this mayor. This is their mayor. They all know as well as every city council member, every person who has been mayor, at least since Sharon Sells Belton, know that MPD at some point in the last 40 years became a completely rogue entity. They do not answer to the mayor or to the police chief. Oh. An open, open secret in city government. Yeah. You remember one, that one night when they were attacking people and shooting all over the city? Nobody knew except the people who were being shot. Yeah. The, well, and that's also so two of the two of the folks who participated in the home invasion of Amir Lock are police officers, SWAT members who were driving around in white vans shooting at people and they were involved in the um in the Jalil Stallings case where they tried to um murder <laughs> murder him basically. I mean this is who we're dealing with, like that's why this all the conversations about honesty and transparency. I'm like, what? It means nothing. Like both of you are saying, it means absolutely nothing because you don't have control over these people, and they're out to kill. They're out to not do their job. They're how many? They're taking vacations. They're getting paid for early retirement. They're not getting vaccinated. Well, you know. <sighs> I feel sorry for the black kids who end up attending the same private school as his, as Mayor Price did, because he's going to raise a racist kid. I want you to have to go to school with that man's kid. In the immediacy, so that people can see exactly what is in it, good, bad, or ugly. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to getting the necessary facts of the case, and I know, speaking from experience, that there is an ongoing tension between getting things out quickly and getting things right. We want to get things right. We want to, excuse me, excuse me. We want to gather the necessary evidence to make sure that we are not telling you something that is inaccurate now only to correct it a day You already have fake wrong news, lies in your first first statement. Like, what do you mean? 
which is this question that's coming up, I want to say from uh, from the Minnesota reformer, which is basically because of the, the city's aid to, or the mayor's aid to pull the plug on this. I don't. Turned around Normally, he would be able to tap in his black friend, Arredondo. He turned around with the quickness of, I don't know, and they're like, oops, it's the white lady back there. Is <laughs> she didn't she didn't move an inch. Do I look like everyone's like a bald-headed cool motherfucker? Normally all he has to do is turn his head back and a black man will come throw himself in between Jacob Fry and whoever is asking a tough question. Yo, I might put together a supercut of him turning over his shoulder to Aradondo. Yep. There's oh, so many of them. Alright, this is the this is wrapping it up where he's being questioned and he's mumbling and stumbling and stuttering and he uh as one of y'all said literally shows his ass. Tune at a time. Um, I, I do want to answer the questions, but I would also prefer just to one question. I'm the your your question, I, I do not So yesterday at the time that we were putting out the press release, we didn't have as much information as we have now, of course. And so it's unclear, certainly unclear yesterday, but it, it remains unclear if or how Mr. Locke is connected to St. Paul's investigation. And more information will be coming as St. Paul digs further into the case. Somebody in communications was like, all right, it might have been either the or the attorney's office because the goon from Target, a city attorney, was there. Maybe there was another city attorney. One of Jacob's big ideas, non-ideas. And I don't know if this originated, like Jacob really doesn't have ideas. I know I keep saying he's a cipher, but he really doesn't have any ideas. So I don't know who came up with this, hatched this great plan. But they released a press conference after after getting roasted after that second press release or press conference rather. Um, <laughs> they will be working with Ray McKesson. They're bringing in Ray McKesson. That's motherfucker. I mean, and you know the thing is, it's like first of all, how what whoever the communications people are are just fucking up really. As you can tell that he's been trained but like his prepared remarks are just not hitting the mark and then now hiring DeRay shortly after DeRay is in the news for <laughs> mismanaging funds and also we know that DeRay is like a super reformist yeah um, the campaign zero is an entire nonprofit that was birthed to spread to propagate the idea that policing can be reformed as opposed to abolish. Right. And even a lot of the things that they have at Campaign Zero, again, to what we were saying earlier, are things that are already illegal in so many states, or so many cities and counties, and still mm-hmm. continue happening because of the criminals. Uh, like it, it's, the law has nothing to do with their actions. 
anyway, this is ridiculous. Ray is coming to Minneapolis. And, you know, for folks who don't know, he used to be here. I think he worked in a charter school. Uh, something. I used to see him run around the street. Uh, I, I actually don't know what he did when he was. He worked in human resources for uh, Minneapolis Public Schools. And uh, it was not a, it was not without some controversy and criticism. But I mean, set aside the fact that McKesson is beefing with the co-founders of Campaign Zero and he's been accused of um, basically pushing people out and uh, intellectual property theft. Set that aside. So Minnesota, Minneapolis is a very cliquish place. Like it's part of the part of the like public identity that Minnesotans like if you didn't go to kindergarten with somebody, you're it's very hard for you to break into their social circle. Like the folks who move here, that is the that's the big beat against Minnesotans. Minnesotans are proud of that fact. So the idea of bringing somebody in from the outside, how do you think that, like, if that's the case for Minnesotans, and by Minnesotans, it's always mean white Minnesotans, it's doubly so for black Minnesotans. Minneapolis is incredibly clickish in terms of its activist organizing circles. And then when you, like, also compound the hyper-localism of North Side, South Side, and Eidos against African immigrant or ados against mixed folks, which we have plenty of in Minnesota, right? Like there are lots of divisions and cliques. Who thought it was a good idea to bring in an, a name recognized political pundit? Because that's basically what Gray is. Who thought that was a good idea? While also ignoring the fact, do you know how many, and I think the uprising again, um, illustrated this and made this more visible for more people. There are so many predominantly Black women who are deeply engaged in intersecting communities in terms of organizing and activism, who are deeply engaged. Like The problem for Fry, though, is that none of them are part of his designated Negro circle, so he doesn't want to tap into them. The problem for Fry is that all of these really committed, really engaged and connected Black women activists are also abolitionists in their in their action and in their thinking. They are not trying to promulgate reform or community policing or any of this bullshit that Pride wants to wants to promote as a solution. So that's why we get blue best coming in. Yeah, it's such a ridiculous idea. Whoever thought of it, I I think they thought they were doing something because. You know, by the way, DeRay hasn't mentioned a thing on his Twitter about it, even though he, he talks a lot on Twitter. Yeah, he was in the statement, but he hasn't... He hasn't acknowledged it. Um, he hasn't in it. Yeah, the story that broke about Campaign Zero, so maybe he's had bigger fish to fry. Or maybe, maybe it can actually transpire. Yeah, you know? maybe the deal's never done until it's, until it's all the way inked. And uh, he's got enough money to turn down this money. So I thought you guys, the other thing too is like, okay, so you're bringing national experts to do what exactly? <laughs> because again, like we keep saying, it's not about the law or policies changing. Yes, there's some things that need to be changed either at the state level, county or city level in terms of like how policing shows up. But the profiling 
it's like black drivers are 400 times more likely than a white person to be pulled over for a moving violation. So, like, in what, like, how is policy going to change anything? Like, this Minnesota niceness, this idea that we live in a, a progressive bubble or liberal state or couple, however the fuck people define themselves, is not safe for us as black people. So, changing laws and policies, bringing national experts, we're very good at doing that. Like, we will talk to death racism, but it's still not changing. No, and I mean, Fry's whole point for running for office has been about, he's a careerist, right? He sought the mayorship because he wants to move on to higher office. He's here to in, in the state, because he's not from Minnesota, he's from Virginia. He's here to build his political career. Who knows where he thinks it's going to go on to, but all of this, like bringing in a national expert without any real idea of what it's going to do, that's all about like being able to maintain a national level narrative. The Vogue uh, article. Oh my God, the amount of people even back in the 2020 summer after Floyd, the amount of people who like clearly pay attention to news outside of their region or city that texted me and was like, y'all have a dope mayor. I'm like, calm down. He's white, for starters. There's nothing dope about a white person. Nothing. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's a damn cycle. I mean, he's basically going to become a modern-day Joe Biden if people don't start to fucking keep it real, you know? Now, this is all the, the, whatever this campaign is, and it's definitely a campaign. I mean, there may not be an election in sight, but this is a campaign. This is all the kind of keep good judge playbook, right? So when he does, I can't actually run for higher office on his record. His record is abysmal. In terms of, he was mayor when the city burned. <laughs> he was mayor when the highest profile lynching. But the, com- the, confidence, the confidence of a mediocre white man is that he can do any, he can be still be president. And I mean, he did get reelected based on the history of nothingness. But I mean, did anybody run against him? Oh. Nope. That's when conversation. Can't wait for until one of them runs for mayor of Minneapolis one. Uh you know what? I don't wish that on them, so please let them stay. I don't think I don't think any of the ones who are most who have the most talent and ability, just for themselves that when they look in the mirror, would ever dare do it. I'm looking at the two <laughs> you know, the best black women critical thinkers in the city right now. And I'm just going to stop there. Now, you got some work to do. Yeah, Minneapolis, we're, we're, uh, I, 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 I. Look, well, thanks for doing this, y'all. We, uh, this was definitely, uh, <laughs> in the words of, in the words of Jacob Fry. This is definitely the beginning of a more transparent dialogue because this is PG for us. This is this is rated G for us. But uh, I mean, this is you know, it's a good thing. Like we paused a million times, but I, I love that because it was only like a twenty twenty or so minute video. There's no way the three of us are going to get to talking and it only take a half hour. And that's 
I love y'all. So, you know, this is just a different take than you're going to get in any media outlets. You know, because, again, a lot of people listen to, a lot of people had friends in Minneapolis and they live somewhere in the country, somewhere in the world, and they just see the, the they just see the articles. Um, or, again, in the words of Pride, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> and so we just want to give you something real um, because if you look at the history of our show, I like to, you know, generally interview people who keep it real. So thanks, y'all. We'll, we'll, we'll talk some more shit. Oh, we got a whole lot more shit that we didn't talk, that we had on our list to talk today. So uh, if your name is uh, <laughs> Tucson, watch out. Uh, if uh, you're some other motherfuckers, watch out. Mystery is a lot. White males, white wannabe males, people who think they're brown but are white, watch out. Watch out. White folks on Twitter doing the most. White folks like on Twitter doing the most. Uh, <laughs> Let's drop off, but yeah, we abolitionists, the grifting Olympics, right here. <laughs> Minneapolis is the home of the grifting Olympics. We're gonna get into all that. Um, uh, honestly, like when we started recording today, there was a protest for Amir Lock downtown. We're in solidarity with all the black people who are in pain and keeping it real, um, simultaneously. Uh, we love all of all of them. And uh, yeah, I don't know about y'all, but I, I don't think I can protest in this city anymore. I'm I don't know if I can do it. I we're we're you know there's fake abolitionists run amok, this and that. Honestly, I, I just want to I, I will go around punching some of my own people in the face, uh, and then after I punch them in the well, I'd ask them first, "Are you an abolitionist?" And then I punch them in the face because what are they going to do? Call the cops on me? And I'm gonna move on to the next person asking the same question. And then punch them in the face and go down the line when I see them at a protest. So I better just stay away because I've been locked up already and I ain't trying to go back, not even for a day, not even if my bail's waiting for me. Because uh, that is a cage is no place anyone wants to be. All right. Uh, thanks, y'all. I'm going to end the meeting. Any last thoughts? No, this was almost as long as a clubhouse room. This was good. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. So yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna keep it to people I love, and then I eventually will get to see when um, when all the vaccinated super spreaders chill the fuck out. Okay, we'll see y'all later.